Christ is risen. He is risen today. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Easter service at the Blue Lake Presbyterian Church. And the title of today's sermon is Believe It or Not. And it's based on John 20, verse 1 through 18, which we're going to be reading in a little bit. Well, it's great to have a full house here this morning. Thank you for all coming on this uh, rainy Easter Sunday. Well, Easter Sunday, what does it mean to us? Ask the children, and they will point to uh, the Easter bunny and, and Easter eggs. Yesterday afternoon, I dropped off some flowers in the church here, and on the way driving through Blue Lake, I noticed that Blue Lake, yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, had their Easter egg hunt at, at Perigo Park. And I was amazed at how many children came to this small community. It actually brought back some memories of hiding Easter eggs around the house with my wife and our kids trying to find them. Or on that Saturday morning before Easter, 10 o'clock going to the McKinleyville Shopping Center with thousands of kids running all over the place, trying to find their Easter eggs and filling up their Easter baskets as fast as possible. And then Easter is also a time for special music and Easter hymns and brass. This morning we started with one of those classic Easter hymns, Jesus Christ is Risen Today. And I want to thank uh, Leon Hamilton and Hannah Johnson for our trumpet and piano music this morning. Well, a few years ago, I visited Holland with the family and do, during Easter break. And at that time, I watched my brother sing uh, at the Matthias Passion performed on Good Friday. Now, Johann Sebastian Bach wrote the Matthias Passion in 1727. And since that time, this masterpiece displayed throughout Western Europe in all the concert halls on Good Friday. Well, since 2011, a modern version of the Passion is now played in Holland by actors and singers. And it actually draws huge crowds. An estimated 46% of the viewer share in Holland is watching watched this event just last year. Well, Aaron Wilson, an Australian professor who recently moved to teach in Holland, she wrote, as a recent immigrant of the Netherlands, one of the most secularized countries in Europe, the last thing I expected to be doing on Monday, Thursday was watching a live broadcast of the reenactment of the last hours of Jesus. But I did. Now, last year, this passion event came to America and it was actually played in New Orleans. And then, on Easter Sunday, of course, there are flowers, especially bulbflowers like daffodils and iris and tulips and lilies. Those are very popular for Easter. And I remember back in Holland when I was a teenager, picking daffodils on my knees 
in this rolling greenhouse. The bulbs had been planted earlier in the fall, the previous fall, and they had been planted outside. And then this greenhouse was rolled over the top of this section of field. And we picked those daffodils with a knife into the ground as deep as possible to get maximum length on those flowers. And then once we got these daffodils ready to go to the flower auction, just in time for Easter. Now fast forward to today, as millions of tulips and iris were harvested in Arcata in the last few weeks and were shipped across the nation to brighten dinner tables and find their way in churches all over America. But for a moment, let's reflect what it is that we are celebrating today. As the noise dims, all the fanfare apps away, consider that setting on Easter morning. Three days earlier, Jesus had been crucified. He was put in a borrowed tomb before sundown on Friday night. Then on that first day of the week, on that Sunday morning, history was made that changed billions of lives for nearly 2,000 years. Now the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John all describe what took place in the early hours of that Sunday morning. But the Gospel of John gives the longest, most detailed description of the resurrection and what followed in the weeks after. This brings us to today's scripture reading, John 20, verse 1 through 18, and this can be found in your Pew Bible on page 114. Now, in the Pew Bible, there's an Old Testament counts, and then it starts again in the New Testament. So it's in the back end of the, of the Bible, and it's on page 114. So we'll give you a moment to, to look it up. Early on that first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. And she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings but rolled up in a place all by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, 
also went in. And he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and and she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? So she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, have you carried him away? Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Then Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me. Because I have not ascended yet to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that that he had said these things to her. Well, folks, this famous passage in John 20 brings us back to the title of today's sermon. Believe it or not. And what is it that we believe or not believe? Well, here's a story to illustrate. In 2011, my wife and I visited Israel. It was an amazing trip, and I would recommend this to anyone. And while talking to the people in Israel, we learned that in Judaism, Jesus was considered a teacher, a prophet, and he died on the cross. But the Jewish people considered that the end of the story. Well, the Bible tells us, that the Jewish leaders fabricated a narrative that the disciples came by night and stole the body of Jesus while the soldiers were asleep. Matthew 28, 15 says, And this story is still told among the Jews to this day. Now last year I talked to a friend who is a Muslim and he proudly told me about Jesus. The Quran actually mentioned Jesus, directly or indirectly, 187 times. In Islam, Jesus is to believe to be a prophet and a messenger of God. But mainstream Islam believes that Jesus did not suffer death on the cross. 
And instead, he was directly raised alive to heaven. So in other words, neither Judaism nor Islam believed that there was a resurrection. And that Jesus did not rise from the dead. And this is precisely the distinction that brings us all here this morning. As Christians, we do believe that Christ is risen. That He is risen indeed. The cross was not the end. To the contrary, the cross was the beginning. Darkness before light. The resurrection story is the essence of believing in Christ. It is the foundation of our belief. Now, believe, believe it or not, is the prevailing theme in the Gospel of John. Mary visited Jesus' tomb. She saw the stone had been taken away. Then she ran back to, 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 to Peter and John and cried out, They have taken away the Lord from the tomb. Mary saw the empty tomb, but she did not yet believe. Then Peter and John ran to the tomb. Now in the story, in the Gospel of John, John somehow finds it relevant to point out that he outran Peter. He was apparently in better shape. <laughs> or maybe he had his coffee in the morning. Or possibly he had better running shoes. In any event... He gets there first. But he lets Peter into the tomb. And Peter is reluctant to believe that Jesus is risen. He sees the burial garments, but he does not yet believe. John, on the other hand, is the only one that believed without seeing any evidence of the risen Christ. Then a little bit later in the story, Mary looked inside the tomb, where she actually saw two angels. But she still didn't believe, as she cried out, they have taken my Lord. Just then, she saw Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Only when Jesus called her name, Mary came to believe. And she declared, I have seen the Lord. Well, in times of great loss, we often crave to see something. Like in the movie, The Shack. The little girl has been abducted, but is not found. Until the father goes to the shack and encounters the Trinity. This fictional story takes the father through a healing process. It's a story of redemption, faith, and forgiveness. The author, Paul Young, spoke in Eureka in 2013. He went through a dark period and many struggles in his life. He wrote the book, The Shack, 
as a fictional story. Yet, it depicts his own life, his own life story, strengthening and restoring his belief in Jesus Christ. Now, based on 25 million searches on their website, BibleGateway.com, they made a list of the top 100 most searched Bible verses. And the Gospel of John generated more searches than any other book in the Bible. Well, why is the Gospel of John so popular? Not only does it give the longest detailed account of the Easter narrative, it is also the ultimate guide for believers. And of the 780,000 words in the Bible, the Gospel of John only accounts for less than 16,000. So it's less than 2% of the whole Bible accounts for the, for the words in the, in, in the Gospel of John. Now, if we look at the words believe, believed, and believeth, they are mentioned 323 times in the whole entire Bible. But 97 times in the book of John alone, or roughly 30%. So just like if you go to the bookstore, or you go to Amazon, you can find many self-help books. Well, the, John's Gospel is the self-help book in becoming a believer. Last month, after preaching in Eureka on John 4, about the woman at the well, a man in the audience came to me afterwards, and he shared that his 91-year-old father had fallen away from the faith. He encouraged him to read John's Gospel as he dropped him off at the Eureka Library last July. His father sat in an empty spot in the library, and he noticed two books on a table beside him. One of those books was a Bible. He was amazed at the coincidence, so he picked up the Bible and began reading the book of John. When he read the verses in John 4, about the woman at the well, the word touched his heart. And he felt through these words, God was revealing himself. And his faith has been restored. And he is still enjoying his rediscovered faith as we sit here today, as we speak. Then a few years ago, I had the honor to meet Elias Malki. After he had given a fascinating sermon at the Faith Center in Eureka. He signed his autobiography called Ambassador of a Higher Power. Once home, I started reading this book. Now, I'm not a fast reader. Typically, at night, when I start reading, I fall asleep. But on this particular book, I started reading, and I couldn't go to sleep. I could have not put this book down. What an amazing life story. 
in this book. Malky was born in Lebanon, came to America to study, and his life mission was to bring the gospel to the Middle East. And while going through a period of darkness, he continued to believe, and God blessed him with countless amazing miracles and a television program reaching 180 nations with an audience of 20 million people. Then last month, someone in Oregon who listens to the sermon website reached out and asked for prayers for him, for him and his wife, as they were going through some rough times. Well, eventually, we all go through dark periods, through rough spots, through trouble in our lives. In the roller coaster of life, we occasionally find ourselves on the bottom. Now, from our limited perspective, we don't see what comes next. And depending on how dark it gets, we experience it as the equivalent of the cross in our lives. There are times when we don't see the light anymore. And if we do not believe, we ultimately give up. We fall into despair. And then it even gets harder to climb out of the hole. If we no longer believe, it is the end. Like Jesus on the cross was perceived by Mary, Peter, John, and the disciples. They were in despair, in a state of hopelessness. But three days later, our Lord Jesus proved to the world that indeed he was the Son of God when he rose from the grave. Oh, think of those daffodils we picked in Holland many, many years ago, just in time for Easter. <clears throat> they were planted in the fall, outside. These bulbs were covered with soil. It got dark. And then the storms dumped rain. And these bulbs endured, endured cold, freezing temperatures. And snow. But after those bulbs received enough cooling, they broke dormancy. And when that greenhouse was rolled over the top of that section of field, the bulbs started sprouting and soon poked their heads out of the ground as a harbinger of spring, like a new beginning. In our own lives, it's not much different. We endure adversity, pain, darkness, meeting Christ at the cross. But when we persist and believe, that period of adversity shapes us. And when the sun rises in the morning, we are filled with joy ready to share the good news. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 5, 
Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, when in 2008 and 2009, our company went through a dark period. And I found this quote. A bend in the road is not the end of the road unless you fail to make the turn. Well, that quote is still hanging on the wall in my office. Let darkness not be the end of the road. Make the turn by putting your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And believe. Jesus said in John eleven forty, Did I not tell you? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Well, David wrote in Psalm 30, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Morning starts at midnight, but it's still dark at midnight. But the new day is already here, and in a few hours, the light will be coming. The sun is about ready to break through. But how often is it dark in our own life? It seems like nothing is changing. Believe that we entered into a new day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus offered to everyone the possibility of eternal life. A free gift to all. Friends, let the good news of the Easter story fill our hearts. Enrich our souls. Let our cups be filled with the grace and glory of God. Believe and the light will shine. Happy Easter to all. Amen.